Church, I wish I could be there with you this morning. In fact, anytime I'm not able to gather with you on a Sunday to worship Jesus, I miss gathering with Meadowbrook Baptist Church in the name of Christ. Very rarely would I approach our sermon this way, but due to extenuating circumstances in my family's life today, thank you, church, for allowing me to open God's word with you from a distance. You know, the trailer that you all just watched together portrays the difficulties of a particular family set in the early 1980s. Chris Gardner, played by Will Smith, longs to provide for his family. And for the longest time, he just can't seem to make ends meet. And the bills spiral out of control. He, he, he dreams of a steady income one day. Imagining a very clear and obvious connection between wealth and happiness. Like so many in every age, his pursuit of happiness is his pursuit of money. But you know, the Bible provides a different picture for us. Once again, God's way is, is not the way of the world. The world says happiness flows from personal freedom and independence. Yet God says blessedness or true happiness flows from dependence upon him and his mercy. The pursuit of true happiness is the pursuit of knowing God. I think the Bible teaches us through our text for today that the pursuit of true happiness is the pursuit of, of knowing him. The pursuit of true happiness found in knowing God. Now church, if that's where true happiness is found, not the kind of circumstantial success or pleasure or well-being valued by the world, but deep-seated joy and satisfaction, then that's what we want, is it not? You know, Blaise Pascal, that famous French mathematician and uh, philosopher of the 1600s, is famous for saying there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. Church, today we turn to the Psalms together, wanting to know God. Through the Psalms, we are invited to know Him, to enter into dialogue with Him, speaking to Him and hearing from Him through His Word. Each Psalm stands alone, yet together the Psalms are a collection of divinely inspired prayers, praises, and meditations from Israel's history. They're, they're spoken and they're sung from the lips of God's people, they are the kind of bold, yet honest prayers that God desires from us. And I think we have a great deal to learn from them. So we start with Psalm 1. For Psalm 1, the first psalm of the collection sets the stage for the whole book, inviting us to experience true blessedness or happiness by knowing God. So let me invite you to look at it together with me. So as you find your place there where you are in Psalm 1, let me... Invite you to join me standing for the reading of, of God's word today. Psalm 1, stand where you are and, and hear the word of, of God. Psalmist writes, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by 
streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's bow and pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. Lord, you desire to be known by us and and you know us. You know us full well. Lord, guide us now on the right path as we seek to know you, to learn from you, to live for you, to find satisfaction and joy in you. Lead us today by the presence and power of your spirit. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Church, you may be seated. You know, the message of Psalm 1 is, is not unique in the greater context of Scripture. It's not unique in the greater witness of Scripture. It's the message of Jesus in the Beatitudes. It's the song of Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. It's uh, the, the daily prayers of Daniel and the foreign land of Babylon. The message here in Psalm 1 summarizes the consistent message of the Scriptures that believers find joy and satisfaction in knowing God. Believers find joy and satisfaction in knowing God. For that's what being blessed means. It's the joy and satisfaction that accompany being in right relationship uh, with God. Joy and satisfaction. This is what we all want. So how do we get it? Well, Psalm 1 lays the foundation for the two types of people that appear again and again throughout the Psalter and really again and again throughout uh, the Scriptures. Those who are right with God. The righteous. And those who remain estranged from God as a result of their sin, described as the wicked. I don't know about you, but when I hear the wicked, I naturally tend to think of those who are worse than me. Those who are especially evil, those uh, who are bent on, on doing wrong. But the wicked being described here in the scriptures are not an especially despicable people. They are simply unbelievers. Those who do not worship God. You know, we're rather quick sometimes to subdivide people into to various groups. We divide people as uh, up as, as men and, and women, uh, wealthy and poor, the black, the white, Republican, Democrat, athletic, academic, tigers of the tide. It was the Eagles and the Patriots this last week. But there's only one distinction that really matters. The righteous or the wicked. Believers or unbelievers. So which are you? Are, are you satisfied with knowing God? Or is there something else that you would rather have? Believers, God's people, find joy and satisfaction in knowing him. In fact, listen to Paul's words about longing to know his, his Lord. After recounting worldly successes and credentials in his own life as one of the elites of his day, uh, Paul essentially says in Philippians chapter 3, he says, none of that matters anything uh, none of that matters anymore. None of that means anything compared to, to knowing God. He, he writes, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, he says, But whatever were gains to me, 
I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of, here this, knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them gar- garbage that I may gain Christ. Verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. Believers find joy and satisfaction in knowing God. Thus, they delight in his word. They delight in God's word. Someone blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, verse 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. You know, the term the law of the Lord can refer to literally the books of the law, Genesis through Deuteronomy, but it also is used at times to refer to all of, of God's word. Those who believe in the Lord have tasted and seen that he is good. And they want to know him more. So let me ask you this morning. Have you tasted the goodness of knowing God? God has spoken to us. He has spoken to us through his word. The very same word that is fulfilled in in Jesus, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul writes, he says, let the message of Christ, or let the word of Christ, same word, let the word of Christ, the scriptures, the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. And he goes on. Or let the word of Christ, let the message of God, let the text of scripture, let it be what you're about. Let it be what you share with one another. Let it be what you encourage one another with, especially as you gather as as God's people. Those who delight in God's word experience success. But not necessarily the kind of success that the world promotes. Instead, they learn true success. Believers learn true success. Verse 3, the blessed person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now, have you ever noticed how quickly a dry, withering plant can perk up with just a little bit of water? Our peace lily in the kitchen at home was looking a bit wrinkly and troubled just the other day. Quite sad, really. So I gave it some water. Incredibly, in a matter of minutes, the leaves smoothed and flattened. I mean, if peace lilies had faces, that thing went from frowning to grinning like a child on Christmas morning. A picture of prosperity and fruitfulness, satisfaction and sustenance, growth and maturity. Those who love the word of God meditate on it often. They recall its truth throughout the day ruminating on it like like a dog with his bone, like a cow with her, her cud, striving to live in obedience to it. And, and that striving, that striving to honor God, to obey God, is, is what the text promises will succeed. In other words, God enables those who want to know him to live for him. As a tree planted by streams of water flourishes, those who who know the living God, flourish in the way God intended. They flourish at living for and knowing Him. 
But you know, this is not the way of the world. I don't have to convince you of, of that. The world's way is obsession with sin and and preoccupation with self. A, a different kind of pursuit of happiness. But the blessed ones, the ones who find joy and satisfaction in knowing God, flee the sinful way. So let's flee the sinful way. Let's flee the sinful way. The sinful way is the way of living apart from submission to Christ without a relationship with him. It's a way of thinking and a way of living, a way that exalts self above God. The call of the psalmist is for us to flee the sinful way and instead to feast on the scriptures. Feast on the scriptures. We, we feast on God's word because through it we get to know him. We get to know God. Peter, that, that fisherman turned follower of, of Jesus, instructs other followers of Jesus to crave God's word, to long to know his word, to, to want his word in the way that newborn babies crave milk. Church, you know what that's like. If you've ever been around infants, you know what it's like for a baby to want to, to drink his milk, to drink her milk, and to do it now. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn babies, Peter writes to the church, he says, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Friend, don't you want to know God? Don't you want to know God? Converse with Him through prayer and through His Word. Believer, are you reading the Word? Are you opening the Word? Are you conversing with God? Are you building upon the relationship that God has extended to you, the one that He invites you into? Do you delight in His Word? Read His Word. Meditate on His Word. Like a teenager, meditating on a first love letter. Memorize His Word. For it's God's Word to you. The pursuit of true happiness is the pursuit of knowing God. Those who know God, believers, find joy and satisfaction in knowing Him. Those who know God, believers, find joy and satisfaction in knowing Him. But unbelievers have no future with God. Unbelievers have no future with God. Those who submit to the Lord, longing to know Him through Jesus, learn true success. But verse 4, not so the wicked. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Pieces of a blown dandelion bloom are like the stubble that the wind blows away. Here one moment, gone the next. In the same way, unbelievers who do not repent and turn to Jesus will be banished from the presence of the Lord forever. They will not last. Soon separated from God and, and from His people. Psalm 1 succinctly states the reverberating call of the Bible to turn to Jesus, the righteous one. Turn to Jesus. 
Friend, turn to Jesus. Unbeliever, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus, the righteous one, for Jesus is the truly righteous man. He's, he's the new Adam. He's the mediator between God and man who obeys the law of God perfectly and fulfills its promises fully. The assembly of the righteous, verse 5, is the assembly of those who strive to honor the Lord by living according to his word, but whose righteousness, get this, is not based upon their obedience to the word. The righteous, those who are gathered in the presence of the Lord for all of eternity, their righteousness is not based upon their obedience to the, to the word, but on Christ's obedience to the word. It's a righteousness achieved for us by God's grace in the gospel of Jesus applied to our lives by faith in him. Friends, hear the rest of Paul's words in Philippians chapter 3. He writes, he says, I consider everything a loss compared to, the surpa- compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Hear this, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. God grants righteousness. Friend, God grants righteousness, a position of of right standing with him on the basis of our faith in the truly righteous one. It was with faith in, in Jesus or God's people, and God knows his people. God knows his people, and he will save them from Judgment, verse 6, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. You know, when parents need someone to watch their children, they turn to someone they trust. Someone who knows them and whom they also know. We gain confidence in another's ability to care for or to watch over those who are precious to us when we know that they know our kids. Friends, God knows his children. In fact, the verb translated watches over in in verse 6 is the verb meaning to know. It implies a relationship. It implies intimate knowledge, the kind of personal knowledge that produces care and protection and guidance and provision. You see, God knows those who are his. But not all those who claim to be His really know him. Remember those stinging words of of Jesus. Jesus once said, Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, meaning the day of judgment, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? In other words, did we not minister in, in your name? Then I will tell them plainly, Jesus said, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Church, God knows those who are his. God knows those whose faith is truly in him, those whose eyes are on him, those who have a relationship with him, and he cares for them both now and forevermore. The pursuit of true happiness is the pursuit of knowing God. Do you know God? Do you know God? Are you you one of his? Do you know your maker? Do you know your 
Savior? Do you know the Redeemer? Do you know God through Jesus Christ our Lord? Friends, let's journey together to know this God, for He is good. He is good. Let's know and enjoy God now and forever. Know and enjoy God. Know and enjoy God now, right now. God wants you to know Him now. He wants you to know that you're right with Him. He wants you to know, me to know, that He is our Heavenly Father, that He loves us, that He cares for us, that He saved us by His grace. He wants us to know Him now, to walk with Him now, to dialogue with Him now, to converse with Him now, through prayer and His Word, and to enjoy Him now and forevermore. Church, this is what we were made to do. Lean into Him. Call upon Him. Turn to Him. Trust Him. Know and enjoy Him, for He knows and He longs to be known by you and me. Let's bow together. Lord God, we thank You that You are a God who has made Yourself known to us. Lord, You have spoken to us. You have given us Your Word. You have told us everything we need to know to know You and to know how to be right with You. Father, we know that we were made for you. That true happiness, that true blessedness is found in knowing you and living for you. Help us to do so today. Father, I thank you for the church known as Meadowbrook Baptist today. Lord, thank you for bringing the church together to worship you together, to encourage one another together, to grow in Christ together, to open your word together. Lord, may you encourage them today. Lord, may you guide them today. Lord, may you convict us and shape us, draw us to you that we might be changed, that we might long to know you. Lord, if there are those, if there are any who are gathered with this body today that don't know you, or that are not yours, Lord, that are not considered righteous because they've received the righteousness of your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, convict them today and draw them to you. Give them eyes to see and ears to hear, faith to believe in you. May we long to live for you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.